my friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Trauma to Triumph podcast. I'm Annabelle Ingleton. I'm your host. I'm a trauma-informed coach. I help people heal their brain and body from the effects of trauma. And this week, we are talking about how to create secure attachment, how to heal insecure attachment, which is one of the three or either of the three insecure attachment styles, which are anxious attachment, avoidant attachment, and disorganized attachment styles. Um, if you have been following me for a while, we, you know, we talk about attachment styles a lot. It, they affect our romantic relationships. They affect our relationship with money. They affect our relationships with our clients, with our family, our parents, um, and they're just an integral part of of our lives, right? We're all, we're based and we're created to connect with others. So if you're not connecting safely and feeling, um, you know, trusting and comfortable with people, you're going to have some issues in your life. Things are going to come up for you. You're going to um, experience a lot of pain and suffering. Um, this is probably the case for most of my clients that come to me. They're either having issues in their relationships relationships with their self, their own mental and emotional health, sorry, and or with money, like their own, their business and their career. And our attachment styles um, are reflected in, in our relationships. So excuse my voice guys, right? Like, listen, it's been two weeks since I had the flu. Then I got laryngitis. I honestly, I haven't been resting it. I need, I should be resting it, but I haven't because I'm a freaking coach and I'm on, you know, three to six, seven calls a day sometimes. And I've been doing like a lot of singing, um, which is so fun and it doesn't help the vocals. No, it doesn't. Um, I promised myself I wasn't going to sing this week so I can just like rest it, but it's so hard. Um, anyway, Let's stop talking about my my deep, sexy voice. Obviously, I, I'm going to listen to this later and be like, what the heck, this girl? It sounds like I'm sick still. I'm totally not. I just haven't healed completely. But either way, we still got to push forward, right? We got to have the podcast. So I want to talk about um, how to develop secure attachment in adulthood. Um, I get asked this so much, and I'm going to give you, I want to say like six six ways to create secure attachment the biggest and most common um, things people see me for are obviously past events that have created uh, trauma in someone's nervous system Um, things like infidelity um, you know having a fatal being diagnosed with a fatal illness physical sexual abuse rape verbal abuse bullying infidelity did I already say that? Um, um, being like a war veteran, um, seeing a murder, being exposed to someone, you know, having a close person pass away, financial trauma, um, you know, a bad breakup, just all kinds of things. Divorce, all these things are can be very traumatic to someone or losing a child can be very traumatic to you. And it can have a um, really lasting effect on your nervous system. But what also affects your nervous system is an attachment wound. When you have a caregiver or caregivers that don't securely attach to you, don't uh, offer the love and nurturing and uh, secure love that you need as a child, and it ends up 
affecting you as an adult. I'll give you a quick rundown of each of the four attachment styles. The first one is secure. That's like the heavenly holy grail of attachment styles. If you if you have secure attachment, you're amazing. Um, I've never met anyone that's completely a secure attachment. I, I, I have my clients take a quiz um, and to find out which attachment style they have. I always know. I don't even need them to take a, t- a quiz. I can tell just by talking and their past experiences and their caregiving, um, their experiences with their caregivers. I always know which attachment style they have. Um, but if you're interested, I'll, I'm going to link up the a, a quiz that you can take to find out what attachment style you have. But most people, once I describe the four, they find they know which one they are. They can tell like, oh yeah, that's me. So the first one, secure. Second one is avoidant. This one is the one that happens when you have a caregiver who is just not, either they have their own trauma when you're a baby, um, they don't know how to securely be there for you emotionally, lovingly, caring um, because of their own issues, or maybe some a parent is gone a lot, they work a lot, so the child is left without the ability to regulate their emotions because when you're a child you're born with an attachment system it's like a magnet and it's out seeking to connect with your parent or caregiver and if the parent doesn't connect the magnet basically turns inward you say I'm just gonna take care of myself no one's there to take care of me no one it could turn into a story of like no one loves me love is painful I don't even know what love really feels like and then you end up being very leery of love or relationships when you're older you become avoidant you don't want to get close um being close feels very not normal very um uncomfortable it almost feels kind of scary and fearful because you never got it and so you become avoidant of relationships you could be non-committal um you don't trust people uh, there could be a lot of fear involved in relationships uh, maybe you're sexually promiscuous because you'd rather connect on a physical level but maybe not uh, romantically and emotionally so that's the first one that's avoidant second one is anxious attachment this happens when you have a caregiver who when you have your attachment system out it connects once in a while sometimes and then they go away they're very inconsistent they connect, they come back, they leave, they come back. Maybe you have a parent who was like, you never knew what you were going to get. You'd come home from school, they were drunk one day, another day they were perfectly normal and nice for about a month, and then they'd have a weeks where they were just high all the time, or they were um, just super inconsistent. Sometimes they were there, sometimes they weren't, and you felt, your attachment system felt the love connected and then the parents would disconnect and you would left like kind of wanting more like searching for to, for the connection and so you're left anxious wanting to be with people and wanting to connect because you felt it and you got a taste and you liked it essentially what happens is you can what this does for a child or now as an adult it creates this very needy jealous desire like wanting to always be with someone it's almost like it's scary to be by yourself you can't really regulate your emotions on your own you only feel okay when you're being affirmed and loved by someone else you're you only um feel regulated when someone affirms you and loves you if you're if no one's affirming you or loving you you can say like woe is me who you know um i'm nobody or you could just get really down on yourself and it triggers like an abandonment wound if you were abandoned as a child this a lot of people have anxious attachment uh so you can come off almost controlling or jealous or needy 
And it's it's painful because you want to be with people in a very strong and normal way because you desire that love, but you don't feel confident and loving independent of another person only when you're with somebody else. So that's anxious attachment. Disorganized attachment is a combination of avoidant and anxious. And it's this happens when you have a caregiver who, as a child, they were the source of love, right? Because obviously your caregiver is supposed to be there for you. But when you got close to them, they were also a source of pain. Uh, maybe they were, you were scared of them. Maybe they were verbally or physically abusive. Maybe they were very inconsistent. Um, they were uh, just, just not there. Like, And it's, it's, it's such a painful thing for children. If you think about it, we're meant to want to connect with our with our caregivers but when you go and then you when you try to connect and they're actually this like in your let's say you're scared and you want to be loved by your parent and say I'm scared I'm so fearful but when you go to them they're actually another source of fear and you can't rely on them for them to help you and regulate you it's really confusing for a child and so it's this one to me I've said before is like the most painful of the four I think and look they're all I mean of the yeah the four they all they're all they all have their suffering involved in, in each right but this one's almost it, because it's such a confusing one you want to connect your your foot's on the gas but then when you get close it feels scary so you get scared and you press on the brake so it's I like and I always say it's like you're pressing on the gas pressing on the brake you could look very confusing I unfortunately have disorganized attachment because of a parent who was very inconsistent and fearful and all those things. So I'm learning very like so many things about how to manage it. I feel like I've overcome so so much. Um, but when, yeah, when I get triggered into that like abandonment wound, if I'm rejected, if there's any type of like um, there's no connection for a while, and I I, I can I can notice I get triggered very easily, um, and it, it's it's not fun. Um, but, and then, yeah, it's really painful. And I think, um, mostly, I think maybe I associate with the most, obviously because I have it. So I say, oh, it's, it's really painful, but it does look, uh, really inconsistent because you look like you want partners, but then you're always like, no, I don't want them. I just want to be by myself. So you just really look inconsistent. So those are the four. So let's talk about what it takes to create or develop secure attachment in your adulthood. Okay. Um, these are the ways that you can heal it. Okay. And I'm going to read from one of these, uh, from a post that I made recently. Um, it was a thread that I posted on Instagram and I was reading it uh, the other day and I just thought, Oh, this would be a great podcast episode. I don't think I've talked about secure attachment in and of itself. So I'm going to read it. It says secure attachment is one of the four attachment styles described in attachment theory. Attachment theory in psychology origi- originates with from the seminal work um, of John Bowlby in, in, back in 1958. Um, in the 1950s, John Bowlby worked um, as a psychiatrist in a child guidance clinic in London where he treated many emotionally disturbed children. The experience led Bowlby to consider the importance of the child's relationship with their mother in terms of their social, emotional, and cognitive development. Specifically, it shaped his belief about the link between early infant separations with the mother and later maladjustment and led Bulby to formulate his attachment theory. Attachment can be defined as a deep and enduring emotional bond between two people in which, in which each seeks closeness and feels more secure when in the presence of the attachment figure. Attachment behavior in adults towards the child includes 
responding sensitively and appropriately to the child's needs, such as the behavior appears universal across cultures. Attachment theory explains how the parent-child relationship emerges and influences subsequent development like when you're older. Um, so ultimately, secure attachment is a style we all want to have. It creates and promotes healthy relationships with others and with money. Okay, so I'm going to um, read the other the ways that you can heal secure attachment. One number one, process your past trauma, your unhealed trauma, your unhealed wounds. The reason this is the first one that I, I share is because obviously when you process, when I say process past trauma, I'm more than anything specifically referring to the physical, the physiological processing of trauma out of your nervous system. What that looks like is using some type of a healing modality to move it out of your nervous system, your subconscious mind and your body or your mind. And there's lots of modalities out there that do think that do this. I'm a facilitator, I'm a certified facilitator in a healing modality called Psyche, and we utilize these things called balances to process past traumas. I believe they work, it work, they work tremendously to process them out of your nervous system and your subconscious mind and your brain. Um, there's other healing modalities like EMDR, um, internal family systems therapy, um, somatic experiencing, corrective experiences through another form of somatic experiences. All these ways are just really, really, uh, breath work is really amazing too. Um, They're all really great ways to engage the nervous system, your body, and your subconscious mind and your brain and process them out. So that's the first one I want to recommend. The second one is work on reparenting yourself and meeting your own needs. So we, when we experience trauma or attachment wounds, we have these inner children these inner wounds like the the children that were at the age of when we got injured when we had the attachment wound or when we had the trauma it's essentially when you think about it trauma kind of like stops you at that at that age in your nervous system and you it's it literally keeps you from growing emotionally in at that age I always say like I have like a six-year-old little girl like a 15-year-old girl in front inside of me that has been injured emotionally with like certain um, attachment wounds and and then re-injuries um, and you want to be able to reparent them reparenting looks like um, doing like inner dialogue kind of like closing your eyes and and really looking into and feeling into that part of yourself that 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 wounded child and asking it what it needs um, letting it know that you're there for it um, asking it what it's fearful of if if you do this it's very interesting to see that you will get answers you're in that injured and um, wounded part well actually if you listen um, and feel into it they really do express the things that they need from you, whether it's some self-care, whether it's like not talking to a person anymore, um, whether it's taking like a break or taking a day off from work so you could just rest. Uh, maybe you need some time in nature and doing some things outside and things like that. Um, there's so many ways that you can reparent yourself, but it's mostly doing inner work to help that inner child and meeting the needs that it that it requests a lot of this is stemmed from one of my favorite forms of therapy it's called internal family systems i'm actually going to have a therapist come on the show her name is tammy sullenberger she's amazing she has a podcast i forget the name of it 
but I'm going to link it in the show notes because I don't have it right here. And she's an internal family systems therapist. Um, Internal family systems was created by a man named Richard Schwartz, an amazing, amazing therapist. Like, oh, and it's a really great type of therapy that helps you do that inner parent reparenting and inner parts work. Uh, Highly recommend it. Google it. Look it up. There's many books on it. Um, one book that I really love is You Are the One You've Been Waiting For by Richard Schwartz. And it has to do a lot with relationship um, attachment wounds and like reparenting. So I highly recommend that. Um, the third way to um, create and develop secure attachment as an adult is to learn how to regulate your nervous system. Basically, what regulating your nervous system means, learning emotional regulation, learning how to activate the, um, yeah, um, navigate the highs and lows of activation when you're triggered, when you're placed in a survival state with, by your nervous system. Um, it's basically the skill of just being able to calm yourself down again when you get triggered. A lot of people who have a lot of unhealed trauma um, and unhealed attachment wounds find it really hard to um, navigate and calm themselves down they stay in survival states they stay in those shutdown states Uh, they find it really hard to access that ventral vagal energy that that safe and connected um, energy that playful energy that stillness energy and when you learn the skill of emotional regulation it's so so helpful and there's so many things you can there's tools you can use to help regulate your nervous system like journaling um uh, grounding Grounding is like, to give you an example, it's like going outside and touching the grass with your feet and kind of sensing into your feet and focusing on the way the grass feels and the way your feet feel and the coldness or the heat or whatever. Because what you're doing is you're basically getting your mind off of your emotions and your and your thoughts. You're focusing on your actual physical body. It could really help a lot. That can also involve like taking a hot bath or a hot shower or cold shower putting your hands in, in an ice cold bath and feeling the ice and feeling how your hands and fingers feel, um, playing with like that kinesthetic sand and feeling it in your fingers and just anything that puts you in with your, in touch with your tactile senses is really, really helpful to calm you down. Breath work is another thing that can help you taking deep breaths. I think taking five deep breaths is like so under like, um, what's the, is it underestimated? Is that the word? I can't, I mean, I'm, I'm having a brain fart, but people are like, okay, let me just take a couple breaths, but it literally engages your polyvagal break and it, it helps you downregulate and it does help you. Um, if you're in a very heightened emotional state or anxious or angry, it really can calm you down. It really helps. Meditation helps. Um, being outside in nature helps a lot. Self-talk helps a lot of like mindset strategy. If, I feel like that's more of an advanced thing. Um, it may it may not work initially because your nervous system is so powerful. Remember, I've talked about it before. Afferent data, infor- like information coming from your body to your brain, which is emotions, is eight times stronger than your thoughts. So if you try to control it, your feelings with your thoughts, and then you're really new at this, it's not going to work so well. Not so easy. This is more of an advanced way of, of regulating yourself. I find that my clients that are a lot further in the process, maybe like working with me, we're utilizing a lot more 
more thought work, a lot more strategy to calm ourselves down through um, by regulating ourselves. And so I think it's more of an advanced thing. So I always like to offer all the other things like journaling and grounding and meditation and breath work and nature and things like that. Those things are really, really helpful. Um, the fourth thing that you can um, do to learn and develop secure attachment is building self-trust through keeping small daily promises to yourself. This sounds like a really simple and like basic thing that people probably feel like they do, um, but you'd be surprised where we break a lot of promises to ourselves. And when I say breaking promises to yourself, this can be as, as, as like simple as saying you're going to take vitamins every day and not taking your vitamins or working out when you say you're going to do it or drinking lots of water or doing a journal entry. When you don't keep your promises to yourself, essentially what like I call it betraying yourself or like lying to yourself, it creates this distrust in yourself and what it can do is it will create this inability to basically think that you have your own back. And when your protective parts, when your injured parts, your inner children, those wounded parts don't feel like you have their back, like you're going to do the things that you say you're going to do for them, it's really hard. If you can't trust yourself, it's going to be really hard to think about it to trust other people. So it's really important to when you build self-trust, this is so helpful in learning how to be secure and feeling trusting with other people. If you can't do it with you, you're not going to think that anybody can do it for you, right? So it really, this work definitely starts with you. So again, some examples of building self-trust is just when you say you're going to do something, do it. Think about how you feel when someone tells you that they're going to do something for you and they don't follow through. Like when someone says they're going to text you back, when someone says you guys have plans and then they cancel on you or just never contact you again, when someone betrays your trust, when someone um, lies to you, it's it's so hurtful, right? You, they, you feel betrayed and then you no longer can trust them. What's no different than having your own back and trusting yourself. So you can build this self-trust by doing lots of little things daily or one one thing daily. Start one new habit and having trust in yourself and showing yourself that, like, look, I'll follow through for you. I love you enough that when I say I'm going to take my vitamins every day, I'm going to take them. When I say that I'm going to um, get ready and take a shower and do my makeup every single day for this week, I'm going to do it. If I say I'm going to go to the gym, I'm going to go to the gym. Simple things like that. They seem really probably like unimportant, but they end up being really important to your psyche and to your self-concept and to your self-respect level. So it's really helpful with secure attachment. Um, number five is healing shame and work on building positive self-talk. This is such an important one. We have this inner critic that lives in us it's a part that's developed when we have experienced a lot of trauma and this inner critic well she's a bitch <laughs> i'm gonna say it plainly she's not very helpful um she doesn't trust you uh, maybe because we've made some quote-unquote bad choices or decisions or mistakes in our past or like i was talking about right before this not following through on the things that we say we're going to do for ourselves. Maybe you said, I'm going to break up with this bad person that like treats me like shit and you don't do it. Think about the shame that you feel against yourself when that happens, 
right? Think about the self-talk that ends up growing inside of you when you don't when you don't love yourself and follow through. It's really, really, really painful. So doing the, the number four that I talked about, like keeping your promises to yourself, this can help with the, the self-talk. And when you notice you're doing it, if you notice uh, you calling yourself or that inner critic is like saying things to yourself, you can kind of at least what I do is I kind of stop and I kind of lean into that part and, and just ask it like, what, why are you upset? Like, what do I need to do to make you feel a little bit better? Like, why are you upset with me? And listen, I realize this kind of sounds weird to do, but guys, it is so helpful. I have, I used to be the queen of shit talking to myself, like the queen of, of, of negative self-talk, um, creating, noticing and having awareness around it and creating new habits of positive self-talk, this can start as minimal as reading an affirmation to yourself every day and slowly moving into that and believing it more with, again, some of that follow-through of keeping promises to yourself, okay? Healing the shame, I I believe that has to do with, um, that would be taken care of with uh, processing trauma and... um, yeah, mostly processing trauma and then learning um, emotional regulation that helps heal shame a lot. Uh, so you can see how positive self-talk is very, very helpful. And it's it's like it's a form of reparenting and inner child work or inner parts work. It's super, super helpful. Number six is build your self-esteem. How do you build your self-esteem? Um, one of the ways that I think that helping build your self-esteem is, again, keeping your promises to yourself. It's Again, it sounds like some such a simple practice, but it isn't easy. If it was easy, all of us would have the highest self-esteem about ourselves, right? Um, it's also, um, I believe, one of the things that it, it, it applies to is, is setting healthy boundaries. When you respect yourself enough to not allow toxic relationships, not allow people to speak to you in a certain way, following through on your boundaries that you set with people. In other words, if they do this and you say you're going to do that, you follow through with it and you do the thing that you said you were going to do because what it does is it it builds your self-esteem. It lets you say like, oh, I have my own back. I'm going to take care of myself. And it's, it's so, it's so, so helpful. You can see how being confident and having esteem in oneself can help and you relate to other people and feel secure with other people, right? Always starts with yourself, guys. Always, 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 always. People will come to me and say, I need you to heal my husband. I need you to heal my kid. I need you to heal my sister or my my boyfriend. And I always tell them, you know, like if they want help, you know, you can recommend them to me, but I, I would rather they reach out to me and if they feel called to this work, then I'll definitely work with them. But what you can do to help is actually you work on your stuff and when people see that you're living healthy and loving yourself and healing your wounds and then you change, your energy changes, people really notice that and then they get compelled and inspired to heal themselves. I A big part of my practice is almost all referral based because think about it. My clients will do the work and then their husband is like, wow, what happened? Then I work with the husband. I'm working right now with, after I've worked with the wife, I worked with the husband. Then now I'm working with our daughter. Um, I've worked with best friends of, an, of one of my clients. Um, 
I worked with the husband and then the husband recommended the wife. I mean, it's so, so common that this happens. So um, doing the work yourself really is, I mean, I mean, just so, so helpful in the way you relate to other people. Okay. So guys, those are some of, well, I'm sorry. I have one more. I forgot. So sorry. Um, The last one is improve communication skills. This one isn't really talked about a lot because I think we focus more on like um, healing work, but communication skills is humongous. Think about what you do when you are sharing your emotions to someone and sharing how you feel when someone does something or when you communicate with someone what your needs are, when you communicate what your how someone may have hurt you, um, when you can properly effectively and maturely communicate your needs and just your desires or just just in any way to other people this helps them understand you better this helps them understand what you need then if they know what you need guess what they give you they people who really love you will give you what you need and then guess what that makes you feel when you're with them secure so communication with your loved ones with your partner with clients with whoever integral I mean, just so important, so important. So what time, how long, how long has this podcast been on? Oh, man, I thought this was going to be like a 10 minute podcast episode, guys. had no idea it would go this long, but um, I hope some of these things were helpful. I'm going to write down all of these, um, the list of things that I recommended in the show notes. So if you want to look at them, you can click the link in the bio. Um, If you have been enjoying the show, please do me a favor and go to either it's Stitcher, Spotify, Apple. And if you like the show, if you can write a really nice review, give me a couple stars, ideally five. Um, and it helps a lot with the show and it helps people find the show more if I have a lot of good reviews. So I'd really appreciate that. Um, hopefully, guys, my voice is a lot better next week. Let's let's just pray. Let's pray I'm not giving you guys it sounds like it's like 6 a.m. in the morning and I just woke up and my voice is all groggy. So sorry. But I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I hope it was helpful. Um, and I will see you guys next week. Have a good one.